Welcome back, friends, to the Diocesan Digest, your favorite source for all things happening in the Diocese of Oklahoma. I'm your host, Susanna LaMasters, Director of Communications, and today I sit down with David Zoll, Director of Mockingbird Ministries, lay preacher in the Diocese of Virginia, college and young adults minister, a storyteller, a father, a husband, and the list goes on. Today, we chat about the upcoming Mockingbird Ministries Conference taking place at Christ Church Tulsa this year. Mockingbird Ministries is an organization devoted to connecting Christian faith with the realities of everyday life in a fresh and down-to-earth way. David shares with us what it means to be radically kind in a radically unkind world. He opens up about his faith journey and his experiences as a Christian and a content creator and how those go hand in hand. We cannot wait to share this new episode with y'all. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so excited to have you. How are you doing today? I'm I'm well. Are you in Tulsa as we speak? I am actually located in OKC. Aha, uh-huh. I should know that. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. work from the diocesan offices. Um, but currently we've had a little bit of a COVID outbreak. So working from home. Oh. So it goes. It's everywhere right now. It was funny that everyone who avoided it the first time around seems to have gotten it here. And I know I unfortunately got it at the tail end of like the first wave, um, February, February of last year. So I feel like I've done my time, but you know, you always have these breakthrough cases and Mm -hmm. anyway, I'm pretty sure everyone's sick and sick and sick and sick and tired of talking about COVID, but sorry to hear it's here. It's with you. It's all right. I, I also tried to avoid it. I was like, if it hasn't got me now, something's going to get me eventually. Yeah, dodging it. Duck and weave, <laughs> duck and weave. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so where are you located right now? I am in Charlottesville, Virginia. I'm in Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay. If you remember, uh, it's a very sad episode, but the riots that happened a few in 2017, yeah. our church, we're an Episcopal church, Christ Episcopal church. We're, we're located right next to the park where all that happened. So um, that's to give people a frame of reference for where we are. It's the, you know, it's the Thomas Jefferson town and where university of Virginia is. It's very, very, it's a beautiful place to be. And um, there's still snow on the ground here. Wow. Yeah. We had a oh. big snowstorm last week. We're jealous. Well, we're pretty low here. You're going to, you'll get a taste of that when you come. Mm. We're pretty mm. cold still, but all Christmas we were like 85, 75. That is, uh, I don't know what to say about that. That doesn't feel very Christmassy to me. I know. <laughs> well, so let, let's get into it. Um, tell me a little bit about you as a person. And I know that you serve um, at Christ mm-hmm. Church in Charlottesville as a lay preacher and a college and campus minister. Mm-hmm. Share us a little bit about that and how you found your way here. Sure. I, I grew up in the Episcopal Church. My, my father's actually a clergyman. And uh, grew up moving around quite a bit. Uh, didn't necessarily plan, ever plan on following in those footsteps, as most, yeah. most PKs know that it, it, there are lots of pluses and also some minuses to that. Um, and yet, uh, felt that I had an experience of church and of Christianity that was um, not just a net positive; it was just almost an entirely positive thing. It was really a comfort. 
uh, a foundation, not a um, not not a source of trouble for 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 me at least. And I, I recognize as I've gotten older, I recognize how, that that's not everyone's experience. In fact, that's quite yeah. a rare experience. Even if you grew up in something like one of the old mainline churches, like I did. So, uh, after college, I went to college in Washington D.C. And after college. Uh, uh, did some journalism, bounced around. Me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I bounced around. It was the early days of the internet. It was like 2002, 2003, or, or that kind of internet journalism. And um, got sucked into, a, into youth ministry in a good way. It was wonderful. Um, got married and trying to figure out what we wanted to do and had a bunch of uh, fellow uh Christians that I knew at that point, and especially people coming from my, my sort of same tradition, which is the Episcopal yeah. Church, and um, felt that there was a, like a, an opportunity uh, to leverage, in fact, some of the new technology and the, the democratizing agents of the internet, which, you know, are both bad and good, as we've discovered, uh, to do some ministry online and to do, to really follow up with people. And, and we felt like we had a we had a real heart for, I hate to use the word rebranding, but to, there was a widespread sense that Christianity, that the Christian faith as good news was, yeah. was, was, was not, that's not how it was perceived. And, and yet I had a cohort of friends and colleagues that very much perceived it that way and did not see grace, especially the message of God's grace for real, real people with real problems. We just didn't hear that kind of coming through very often. So we felt, Hey, let's, let's try to start a ministry that's outside of the church, but that serves the church in that way and kind of seeks to harness the creative energy of uh, my generation and now younger generation and really just put out interesting material that connects uh, all aspects of everyday life with the grace of God that we think is so uh, radical and transformative. Wow. I reading about that in y'all's mission, it, I feel inspired and drawn to that as well. Mm. It's hard to find meaning um, when there's a lot of doom and gloom. Mm. It's a, it's a strange time to be alive. Uh, you know, it it's is. a strange time to be raising children. It's a strange time to, but um, people are not that are very different from what they've ever been. Uh, a lot of the same problems affect us, but it's, it, it, you're right. It is a very, we, we're inundated with so many headlines and so much bad news. Like where, where is the good news? And what does, what does Christianity, what does the church have to offer the world that is, distinct and that you can't find anywhere else. That's what we're, and I, for, for me, it boils down to the word grace, which is absolution, which is forgiveness, which is second chances, which is reconciliation, these mercy, um, positive words. We all know we go through our lives as uh, people in the, you know, young, old, uh, whatever you are, um, knowing we're very familiar with the demands mm-hmm. of life to, to be enough to 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 be strong enough and successful enough and uh, you know beautiful enough and well you know wealthy enough and, and influential enough and all these things and do we then go to church and just hear another now you need to be holy enough or and good enough or do we hear is this a place to come and to hear that I'm loved in spite 
of, of, of my, of my lack of mm-hmm. what I really am like, you know, rather than the facade, I pre- try to present to the world of enoughness. So, yeah, I think that's good news. I think it's radically good news. And I think that the world of social media has been a great um, opportunity, great teaching tool. I think so too. But don't you, don't we all, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I feel like we're, we're, we have, we receive a daily crash course in the difference between the person we project to the world and then the person we actually are. Right. I mean, I agree. Does God accept both of those people? That's I, I, I relate to that so much. And I think some of our viewers can too. It's hard when you get wrapped up into that, but finding that what you're talking about going to church and knowing that you're already loved, mm. that's radical. It is very radical. There's no hoops to jump through. There's no hoops. <laughs> There's no boxes to check. It's the place you go. I always talk about like, uh, I think um, I, I work with a lot of college students here at the University of Virginia. So I, I run Mockingbird with full time and we do conferences, podcasts, uh, websites, apps, all sorts of things. Uh public we have a magazine um but i also work at the university of virginia i moonlight here at our church serving the college students and what they're familiar with is what we're all familiar with is that there's a lot of ladders out there (laughs) to climb and and where where we don't where there aren't any we tend to construct them you know little hierarchies within our groups and i always feel like church is the place you go when you fall off the ladder man Um, yeah (laughs) that's my vision of it it's not another ladder yeah. It's uh, it's the place you go to bring your broken ladders or your uh, uh the, all the rungs that you've stepped through by mistake or or the way that you try to get too, too high too fast and, and you and you and you burnt yourself out or on your while you're falling off the ladder two feet off one hand on <laughs> <laughs> pinky holding on like yeah so mockingbird is a it was is an attempt at, it started out just as some group of friends and it sort of grew over time it's been around for fifteen years now. And while we're, we kind of come out of the Episcopal world and uh, over time, you know, one of the cool things about the internet is that uh, you can, you put out material, you throw out content and, and you just see who responds. And so now we have a much more, uh, you know, interdenominational um, group. And we thought we'd just be reaching younger people. And now it just turns out everyone is interested in the grace of God, or a lot of people are. And if you can present it in a way that, it, that, that connects with where people are really living. And um, sometimes we do that well, sometimes we don't. But um, It's a giant experiment. Yeah, it's a, yeah exactly. I, I see it as play. The, the spirit of play, I think that's the sort of the Holy Spirit is kind of a spirit of play in a lot of ways. And um, Mockingbird feels like a sandbox. And there are times, it doesn't mean that we're not, we're not talking about serious things, but the stakes of what happens if we we put up a blog post that just sort of bombs or a podcast that really just seems to miss the mark or you even say the wrong thing you know there's i i'd like to think that the ethos within the organization is one in which we can play and try things out and see what works see what works what doesn't and it's always changing by the way you every time you try to nail it down it shifts on you right Oh, yeah. It's really good to have an environment where you can play and experiment, especially with creative people and storytellers. Mm. Um, that's very important. That's something that I, I, growing up as an Episcopalian, I didn't know was so prevalent in our Episcopal churches is mm. we have a we, we give 
people a lot of room to be themselves and to express. And that's a lot more widespread than I realized. Yeah. And it, it's totally out of sync with what people's um, impressions are of it Christianity. Is. But it's the reality is that you do find a lot of churches where all sorts of creative, fun things are going on. They just, those aren't very loud voices, but because um, uh, they're not trying to like sell you something. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I'm glad to hear that that's been your experience too. Because that's so we approach our, you know, we're hosting this conference in Tulsa next weekend. And we always want to develop it in such a way. The, w- the way that it happens is usually you have a church like Christ Episcopal Church in Tulsa, and there's a Presbyterian church there as well that wanted to host a Mockingbird event because these guys had been to Mockingbird events. They thought, hey, this would be fun. And so we want to sort of allow them to cast their vision for it, what would serve their actual people there. And then you sort of say, well, what would be fun? Mm-hmm. And so they want to take us on a tour of music studios. Um, they want to see, you know, some Woody Guthrie stuff. We always want to, we want to use some local brewers if we serve beer, but then when we design the program, we want to say, okay, let's do something about Ted Lasso. Let's also do something about Flannery O'Connor and let's do something, um, serious about the Bible. And then we'll do something a little more lighthearted. And so it, it tries to come together organically. If there's big holes, we try to fill them, but there's only so much you can do in 24 hour event. Oh Yeah. But this one came together, or I say this on the front end, it, it appears to have come together very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does with the theme of kindness of grace, right? Mm. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? And how could that shape us attending the conference? So the kindness of grace, that's the theme, that's the topic uh, for this conference. And I think there's a growing sense Um it's not even a sense. It's just a sort of a, a widespread atmosphere that we live in and that, that we're living in a time that's not marked by much kindness. And in fact, when we were thinking about it, that, that show Ted Lasso was really um, taking the world by storm. And one of the reasons it did, and this is an Apple TV show, if you haven't watched it, it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's, pretty, it's pretty fun, um, is that it, depi- it depicted kindness in a way that wasn't entirely boring or... Um, unexciting and and people gravitated they were so hungry mm-hmm. for something that wasn't another dark story of someone's life falling apart you know and doing the worst possible things they could do uh or anti-hero stuff this was actually kind of a holy fool almost um and so we thought let's let's try to do something on kindness it's such a mis- it's such a it's a very common word if you go to my kids school you know i've got yep. elementary age kids everyone's talking about kindness i don't know anyone who doesn't think we should have be be more kind i don't or that it would be good to see an increase in kindness and yet it seems like there's less kindness than ever now my sense is that it's a buzzword. It is. So where does kindness come from? How do we uh, cultivate it? And what does it have to do with God? Mm-hmm. Do we conceive of God as a primarily as an employer or a boss? Or uh, if we conceive of God as a parent, is it an overbearing parent or is it a loving parent? Is it, um, is it a, a judgmental God or a kind God? Now, I don't want to suggest that we can confine God to only certain things. Um, but I thought that kindness, 
as 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 a from from, from the perspective of the church what's the difference between niceness and kindness what what is is jesus doesn't always appear to be very nice yeah. but he almost always seems to be kind um and that's a big difference and one of my favorite quotes that i'm going to be um talking about mm-hmm. in my talk is the notion uh, it's from alan de Botton, who's a british thinker and kind of big guy and he said um kindness is born out of the realization that weakness-free people do not exist. Kindness is born out of the, revel- the realization that weakness-free people do not exist. It's something like that. Yeah. And so one of the things that I think is, relates to kindness is a sense in which people are limited and all struggling with some sort of weakness and um, this invincibility and perfectibility that we're trying to throw out into the world actually makes us kind of mean to people. Yeah, it does. It means other people can take that, take things from you or you're in, in fear of being exposed. Um, you think other people are, 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 are stronger all the time. Everyone's a threat. If people are threats, you need to be defended. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's something about the notion that as Christians, we believe that people are broken. Um, they're loved, uh, but they're broken. They're beloved and uh, and and limited. They're 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 children. They're yes, they're sinners. They're, um, they're we are capable of amazing things, and we are capable of you know, as we all know, of really awful things. But where does kindness come from? The idea that we need to shout at people to be more kind, or does it come from the realization that God loves us even? in our weakness, even in our unkindness. Yeah. Um, that's, I think, a much more reliable uh, engine or starting point. Uh, hopefully the conference will talk about that. Everyone's talking about very different things, you know. Um, lack of, a lack of humility, I think, is often related to uh, meanness. Yeah, I think so too. And we're not a very humble. That's one of the, the, the real liabilities of the internet, frankly, is everyone's an expert. And if everyone's an expert, then no one can teach me anything. And if no one can teach me anything, then I just need to yell at you until you sort of hear what I have to say. Yeah. Yell at you. So I get louder until you listen. These internet heroes per se. (laughs) And I mean, Susanna, do you listen well when someone's just shouting at you to listen? I mean, no, who does? I want to close my ears entirely. I think this kindness of grace reading about it and then hearing you talk about it. It's something that we need, but it's something that people don't want to know or understand they need. That's what I've noticed, especially in, I think, these past couple of years. It seems people, yes, kindness is important. Yes, following in the way of Christ is important, but it's hard and I don't want to do it. Yeah. And I certainly don't want to do it if it's going to allow that person to have that opinion. Yeah. Um, and then I'm wrong. Yeah. And I don't want to ad- admit that there's, that I might be at fault too. It's, um, it's very hard. And it, th- th- nothing about this, I, this is not a conference designed for people to walk away feeling terrible about how unkind they are or how hard it is. I really yeah. think it's a, it's a, where, where, where we can be honest about that difficulty and bring it to God and, um, and hear about the kindness of, of grace, which is the kindness of God. I mean, that, that, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, forgiving people who are putting them on the cross. I mean, that is, 
That's some, that's hard to conceive of. That's hard to even for me to imagine. I agree with you. That radical forgiveness. That radical forgiveness, and uh, we want we want our pound of flesh. We want people to be punished. And so, what 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 actually produces kindness versus what do we think does? Um, these are the I don't want to give it all away. And I, and I know that there will be plenty of questions as uh, alongside any answers we might venture. But yeah, I uh, I want to see an increase in kindness. And you know what is interesting, Susanna? I I don't know if if you just graduated college and maybe you didn't grow up with The Simpsons, but well, in The Simpsons, um, there was a character named Flanders mm-hmm. who was the quintessential, he was goody two-shoes, and he was a, very much a Christian, sort of, uh, you know, kind of like a, the stereotype of like a Baptist, but right. he, he was so nice. He was never, didn't have any edge. He never said a mean word to anyone. Homer Simpson would treat him terribly, and he was always, he was kind of seen as a, a maybe spineless or a, a milk toast or just, but just too nice to be real you know and then uh fast forward 20 years and you have the christian on say say the office is angela and she's by far the meanest character so mean so mean and so what has transpired where christians used to be thought of as too nice to be real and now they're seen as too mean and i would say she's probably in my opinion, the least effective character on that show oh, because yeah. <laughs> she's so one note. She's so one note. <laughs> and she's so, but she's so mean. And you think to yourself, but that's, that's how a lot of, a lot of people think about church folks. So, so anyway, kindness is, a, um, cause I see when I watch that show, Ted Lasso, what I see is kind of a, a minister. Yeah, uh, a pastor, a priest. He's 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 serving that role in a lot of people's lives, and it's not the way his kindness is not as foolish as he gets as as people think it is. Because initially they think in that show that he's just in in, in a moron and a, a bumpkin, and it turns out he has a he actually knows exactly what he's doing, and so I find that to be really hopeful. And that, so that was part of the inspiration and. Um, and then I, I was just was just trying to think about uh, kindness as a category and how mm-hmm. complicated it is in a times like hey it's good to be kind uh, unless dot 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 yep it's great to be kind except dot 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 dot, dot. everyone's got these things and um, heaven forbid you fall into one of those uh, categories. No, yes, I I think I just think kindness is it, it also transforms a lot through our lives and. As a child, it's about being someone's friend when they're sad. It's about holding their hand when they cry. It's about not letting someone bully your friend or someone you don't know, someone you might not even like, someone you would never even talk to, right? But then as an adult, it gets so complex and tangled up into everything else. And that's where I, I, you know, I struggled as a young adult thinking, okay, well, where's God in that? Yeah. And how can I bring that into this? Um, yeah. I mean, those algorithms are designed to hook you. you know, they are. Um, what, what's going to come up in front of you. And it's not going to be, as we all know, you know, the statistics don't lie. People click on mean and angry things, something like three to four times more oh, yeah. than they click on kind stuff. And that's where that's hard. Where do we find our space yeah. as Christian content creators? Mm-hmm. 
that's what I've struggled with is how can we shine that voice that we are? Um, and that's what I try to, to preach to our churches is that we do, there's a space. Hmm. Yeah. And you know, frankly, it's, it, it's, it's a long haul type of space. It's not a sensationalistic space. I mean, I think you, mm-hmm. when, when you're talking about um, being the space for uh, kindness, grace, you know, um, uh, mercy, all of these uh, things that are, that are so much easier said than done. A, um, they're not never going to be quite as sexy as the, as the, um, yeah. as the, the, the negative stuff, but they will, they will be sustaining. And so you won't get the, 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 you know, I've been running a website for years. And again, if, when we write something that's sort of against something, uh, we get a flood of traffic, both people who love it and people who hate it. Um, but those posts almost always are, not, are irrelevant about three to four months later. If we write something that is um, really kind and, and sort of highlighting some sort of episode of grace or kindness or just God's work in the world, they won't get the same sort of uh, flurry of activity. And yet you can post them almost verbatim 10 years later and they will still have have roots and that's the sort of stuff that is it's very hard to resist the siren call of clicks yeah and glory and um accolades but what what remains i think um and uh, uh is 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 really um is when we look for connections rather than disconnections when we write in, in praise of something or when we write um highlighting some moment of su- supreme beauty and and by the way there are times, like I remember there was an uh, interview that Stephen Colbert did with Anderson Cooper about death, about death, and it was about the death of Anderson's mother had died, and Stephen Colbert's, you know, his, his, his father and brothers died when he was young, and it was a remarkably moving and kind, um, and Anderson talks about how the only people he wanted to talk to in the midst of his grief were people who'd gone through the same thing. Yeah. And it was one of these beautiful and people who were willing to talk about death and like not people who wanted to gloss over and be positive. And this sort of thing went when, when we highlighted that it went bonkers, everyone, people ultimately, I think do are looking uh, for something hopeful and some, some glimpse of God at work in the world. Uh, But I would say that it's, it's harder to do. Well, it's, there's a reason why, like the climaxes of most movies, are the are the 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 the, the, the points of light. Right. Um, but they're if, to do them effectively. You have to really. It's got to get pretty dark. It does. <laughs> you know. And I think there's a lot of symbolism in that with what you're describing about death and people getting real. People people want real. They want authenticity, and that's something that I always say. Also say is that. Look, we've been on the internet long enough now, y'all. People can spot unauthenticity a mile away. We're so sick of performative things. You know, everything is we are. Perform- performative. And like, there's almost a cynicism that comes when you see people trying to be performatively authentic. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm going to use this to get you to like me. Yep. But people can even tell when that's the case, when you're 
we can't contrive authenticity. You know, it, it, it's re, it, it happens, but it's never as a result of, you know, the harder I am trying to be more authentic, it's like being humble. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm going to try really hard to be, I'm so humble right now. You know, it's, it doesn't, it's kind of, um, it doesn't it, ring it, the same, it, it doesn't ring in the same way. So yeah. anyway, you're right. I, I hope um, at our best, what, and I think that the group we've assembled for Tulsa is what, what people experience will be something, yeah, something authentic, something um, that doesn't feel canned or artificial or phoned in. Um, I think giving people that space is so important. Anything, providing a space for people to be authentic does more than I've ever realized. Mm. Sometimes you don't have to do anything. I mean, what do we mean when we say be authentic in that regard? We usually mean be vulnerable. Be yep. Be vulnerable. Sit down and be yourself. And what does that be vulnerable mean? Sort of be open to being seen as less than perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not shiny, happy. You know, or at least not in a fake way. So that's where we enter. I always like to think of church as a place where we, you know, you know, put down the mask, um, at least for you know an hour every week. Yeah. Just receive, just receive, not perform. Just, you know, we come to the altar, you know, knees, knees and hands, hands outstretched. And we're not, um, we're not singing for our supper. We are, and we don't have to be anything more for that. Yeah. There's nothing. What is someone says? There's nothing you can do that can make God love you any less, but there's also nothing you can do that make God love you any more. Yeah. Um, and that's a very tough message actually for, modern Americans whose sort of mother's milk is how can I get you to give me a good grade <laughs> or, <laughs> or become or produce something from you. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Well, so how has Mockingbird changed you and helped you transform as a Christian? Uh, the internet uh, eats you alive. I'll just put it that way. And unless as a Christian, you have certain I, I never like using the word boundaries, but let me just say um, guardrails, um, things that uh, to keep you grounded in the here and now and mm-hmm. not in this sort of uh, feverish appetite for more, 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 more that the internet produces. Even if you're talking about grace, even if you're talking about mercy, forgiveness, it's still this, it'll take as much of you as it can. Yeah, it will. Um, and you start to believe the lie. If I'm not constantly producing, then I'm not worth anything. Uh, I felt that one. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That person has six posts up a day or the three, three, you know, people will all stop paying attention. Um, so over the years had to um, definitely had some highs and lows with, with that. I still do, but yeah. um I would say it, it has affected me in that regard. It's, it, 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 it drags you through the ringer in terms of like, do you actually believe what you're saying? Because if you actually did, well, then you'd, you'd know. And you, maybe you have, you have people in your life. I, for me, I have a wonderful mentor and you know, a rector here mm-hmm. who are able to remind you of what's true and what's real and, and that my worth does not come from my productivity yep. or my performance. Uh, and I find that to be really that's one of the, I, I, I'm reminded of that every week in church. You know, I, I, I find the liturgy is, is tremendously helpful in that regard. That's why it's yet another reason why it's so sad that in some, our, our, in our diocese, our church was closed for a long time. Yeah. 
Um, so it's changed me in that regard. And I, I like to think I have more patience for people who've made big missteps on the internet um, and have, have really bought the, drank too much Kool-Aid. Um, it's very easy to reap the whirlwind. It is. I always say. And I also, you, but you learn that everyone is suffering and no one is as happy as they project. And, and uh, God is interested in the real person, I think. So it's driven me to my knees in a lot of ways, made me a more repentant human being, um, grateful, grateful yeah. that I'm, I'm, I've watched a lot of ministries and Christian outlets that were, that were maybe trying to conquer the world or save the world or change the world. Um, I've watched them sort of fall by the wayside. Yeah. And I don't presume that to be, to personally have anything superior than that except for that we're, we're simply trying to connect yeah and that our bedrock is god's grace and that's all at the end of the day that's all we got that's all that matters all that matters and that's all we keep putting out there and it has been sustaining um that message hasn't gotten old so those are some things i've learned i mean i've, I've learned that uh things are can be pretty you can't you know the whole stuff about you can't please everyone all the time yep um, and that people will project things onto you that, um, whether you like it or not, I, I, how many clergy have I spoken with that, that have preached sermons and then someone has said to them, I'm so, so glad you said da, 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 da. And they think I didn't say that. Yeah. Um, people sometimes hear what they want to hear. Yeah, they do. I also am married to a wonderful woman who kind of keeps any times it's my ego has been, you know, uh, tempted to sort of get out of proportion. I, I, I'm, I'm, she knows how to lovingly remind me of who I actually am in, the, in a good way. So I know not everyone gets to experience that, but that's another thing I've learned. So the internet is a, is a Petri dish that of, of, of human need and demand uh, that can be a great teacher. And it can also be a great, um, uh, like a, like a black hole. Yeah. Never heard anyone explain the internet in a better way. <laughs> it is exactly a Petri dish. <laughs> It's of something, of something. I think about the amount of, I mean, I, I, when I've written something that goes semi-viral, you know, mm -hmm. it's a lot of adulation that you receive, but it also goes away really quickly. Uh, writing a book is a much longer thing. It takes a lot longer. It's a lot harder, but that is, that sticks with people a lot yeah. more. And then the, but the face-to-face -face relationships I have as part of my ministry, now those are the things that probably matter the most of anything that I'm doing. And yet they, they're, they're not as um, immediately rewarding all the time. But yeah. um, when you get asked to be part of someone's wedding or be at their funeral or mm -hmm. they're your, they thank you in some public way. I mean, those are almost always people that you've had that, that are, that are not people that have read some things you've done online. They're people that know you and for whom you've been kind yeah. or they've been kind to you in a time when you really needed it. And so oh yeah, it has definitely, um, we often say that ministry is all about relationships and mm -hmm. that's actually true. The, the, the content and uh, preaching and um, articles and reflection and thought work is very important and we we rely on it but outside the context of relationship it's only um it's only part of the puzzle 
Well, speaking on a little bit of your your ministry, you do some work with college and young adults. Talk a little bit about that and what your journey has been through that. Sure. Thanks. I, I, I do work here with undergraduates at the University of Virginia. I work primarily with young men. There's a, someone on staff who works with young women, and um, it's a great way to remain connected with the actual concerns of what people are really thinking about and talking about yeah. in some of the ways in which you realize, oh my gosh, there's a lot of those things are the same things that have always been, you know, so-and-so hurt my feelings, or I can't seem to get along with my parents, or um, I'm, I, I'm afraid I'm never going to get a good job, or I want... I want that person to take an interest in me. Yeah. These things, these things never go away, and those are like a way that we could, we communicate cross generationally, which happens less and less, by the way. But, yeah. um, but it also reminds you of the fresh things people are dealing with. You know, the way that you can get cut down on on social media, the way that uh, this the self harm that happens, I, yeah. the, the the things like that were just not a factor when I was young. Um, the lethargy among, for me, it's among young men that are just mm-hmm. kind of get sucked into things that weren't even available when, when I was, when I was young. Um, it's, so it's a reminder to, to work with college students today. I, I, I find that they're just as interested in God and the big ideas and forgiveness, especially as, as they've ever been. I think they're. Thank you for saying that. Cause I agree. <laughs> I think that some of the modes of delivery are a little different. Yeah. Um, I think some of the language is a little different, uh, but that's the great challenge to anyone engaged in ministry is to sort of constantly be translating the, the, the timeless truths of the gospel. Yep. Um, so I have, I have hope. I mean, it, it, my generation, you know, I think of, is like, a, I grew up generation X, which was very much just this quote unquote soccer generation. And anyone who cared too much about stuff was made fun of. And today yeah. it's, it's largely the opposite. If you, oh, yeah. you have to care and if you don't care, you're ostracized. And, and that's a, that's a very, that's, that helps you to not take it so seriously. You just see it as like kind of like a continuum that swings back and forth, but also respect it. Cause you know, Hey, that the apathy that I grew up with wasn't that great, you know, <laughs> um, just like the sort of perhaps overzealousness, it, people were reaping that as well. Like there's going to be, Oh yeah. That's not great either. So I think that Christianity answers both of those things in a constructive way. Um, well, I think that to the person that thinks that nothing matters and that every life's a joke, which is my generation, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the, I think the gospel says that actually uh, you matter so yeah. much that God dies for you, <laughs> you know, that, it, that you matter so much, you matter to God, if not to yourself, and he, that you were um, beloved in, and um that uh, and and the ways in which we care for the poor and the needy is it's not um, a matter of justifying ourselves or um, but it is a something beautiful to do mm-hmm. and there is stuff to be done to the overzealous person who is constantly judging everyone around them i think that there's a christianity unburdens us of self-righteousness and it, it really says uh all have sinned and uh no you are not superior to the person who appears to be who have, has retrograde attitudes about such and such or right that um it it it, it cuts through the self-righteousness so um in both cases both um 
uh, or ways of sort of fending off, I think, love um, and or just or or securing it on your own steam. And uh, it just it takes a slightly, I guess, you just a sensitive person to realize that the cry of the human heart um, is always for love and you know uh, and acknowledgement. Uh, well, acknowledgement and ultimately love, I think. Uh, so that's, it's just a different mode of it. Um, so I, I, I guess that's, that's what I'm, I, working with college students is fascinating. It's, it can be very um, upsetting, but it can also be extremely rewarding. I'm in touch with so many former students mm-hmm. and I get invited to sort of help out at their weddings and I get, I get calls when problems happen. I see that what they're up against and I think that the the notion of if there's ever anyone that thinks sort of a younger generation is lazy, I think to myself, they're having to do so much more than we ever had to do. Um, and uh, the fact that they can even, you know, stand on their own two feet, it's just, I feel, I feel for uh, what it's like to grow up in the bubble of social media and um, evaluation on that level, scrutiny. It's, it's kind of hell. In, in some ways. I think it is too. And I think that draws um, a lot of us to want to create our own community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I, I think that college ministry is really important. It was a real growing point for me in my spirituality and really kept me involved in wanting to work for the church. Mm-hmm. And so I think having a community of young adults and and college students come together is such a beautiful thing to just, like I said earlier, have that space for them. Mm. And then to have someone passionate about that ministry. I had a, um, my first year at a college was a difficult year. You know, it was a year of heartbreak. And, and, and uh, I think probably, um, you know, we minister out of our own wounds. And I, I want to um, probably minister to that young man uh, who was yeah. in pain and wanted to know, uh, wanted, wanted some good news and wanted to have a, and people did with me. And I think it's a very um, rewarding thing. So um, that's probably what called me to it. I, um, I also had a model with my parents and my father uh, who of, of ministry as a, is, is not at all, um, uh, you know, s- separated from real life and tragedy. Right. And it wasn't a ministry that I was watching was not about getting kids to stop drinking or to, uh, you know, respect the environment. I mean, I, I don't want binge. I don't want kids drunk driving. I want them respecting the environment. But like right. what I saw it witnessed was like people him working with people who were going through the heaviest things you can possibly go through mm-hmm. and needing uh, help and needing to holding on to the, the mast of the gospel. And it, it wasn't some sort of behavior control program. It was really like um, the, the hospital for sinners that um, we hear about sometimes. So that's part of what drew me as well. It's been hard this with COVID. It's been very, very difficult. You know, it's been, it's, I feel like every obstacle that we could put up to uh, is, is, is there. So 
You know, if, if you have, if Sunday morning is your only time to relax and you're being asked to fill out a gazillion applications and promote your personal brand and, you know, uh, win over everyone you possibly meet and, and stay on top of the news cycle. Like if Sunday morning is the only time you have to take a breath, I don't want to take that away from anyone, especially if not, if they have to go sort of drive across town and, uh, you know, put, put a mask on if they don't have to at their house. I mean, it's a lot to ask. So um, I, I recognize that if those, the church is as necessary and urgent as it's ever been, and yet it is as hard to, um, it, it, if people aren't coming, it doesn't mean that they're not in need of it. It means that they might be more in need of it than ever. Just like kindness, man. Just like <laughs> kindness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so have you ever been to Oklahoma? Is this your first time? No, I've been to Oklahoma City. We did a couple of conferences in Oklahoma City. Um, I had, I've been at those. Uh, they're a lot of fun. I mean, I um, I don't, I, 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 Oklahoma City is not a place that people on the East Coast think of as like a destination. And yet, right. when I got there, I found all sorts of interesting things happening, especially downtown. And um, I got a friend. I love the his commonplace books was there that I just thought was so cool. And um, so I have a real soft spot in my heart for that part of the country. It was it's very, very um, windy and blustery uh, when I was there. And I think it was springtime, but it was, uh, I, I, I like, I like some, some, some Midwestern or whatever Oklahoma city is. I don't, it's not the South. It's not the Midwest. It's some sort of its own thing, but what do you, what do you consider it? <laughs> what? I think it's its own thing too. Um, and I think you'll find, I'm glad that you're getting to see Tulsa too, that Oklahoma city and Tulsa are very similar and very different at the same time. Um, but they both are very unique mm. in a way that I don't know, talking about kindness too. I might've been born and raised in the state, so I might be a little biased, mm -hmm. um, but I've never met nicer people. That's, that's beautiful to hear. That's not the baseline on the coasts. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was just, it's blatantly not people, people, everyone's got, uh, is trying to tell you how busy they are all the time. Yeah. It's pretty, we, while we are a hardworking state, we like to move slow. We like to enjoy our life. We like to work hard, get things done and have a good life and have a, have a good family. Well, amen to that, right? But Tulsa's funky. It's got it's got a vibe to it. Heard about that? I I am sort of I'm 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 bracing myself. I'm bracing myself. Uh, I I didn't realize that the the HBO Watchmen series was filmed there. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. I find you know I find it really important to one of the great gifts of my work is that I get to go around and speak and see different places. And yeah. again, you become sensitive to the local flavors and the, the things that the, the peculiar, the, the, the particular problems people are dealing with, but you also get a deeper sense of the universal things that people are dealing with. Oh, yeah. And um, I have tremendous, it gives you hope for not just the church, but the human race. Um, when you realize that the, um, I don't know, the, the, the narrative, that's the word today, about mm -hmm. this generation or that institution is not, uh, it's, it's more complicated than, 
than it sounds or than you've been led to believe. So that's a great, that's a great gift of travel. It just uh, opens up your, and in America where internally we're so polarized and divided and we, we just have so much animosity right now to actually travel and realize that although there's some different attitudes about COVID here, there's a lot of very similar attitudes about other things. And, um, and I can't believe the conversation I just had with someone that had nothing to do with um, anything that uh, that would that's divisive, but yet it had something to do with something really important, which is God. To the one of the things Mockingbird does do well, I think, is we do attract a sort of a broader swath uh, denominationally, and I'm very excited that a Presbyterian church is co-hosting this. Um, sometimes we do things in places where denominations that never speak to each other are getting right. together. Um, but if you're just, it, it is a sort of a come and see type ministry. And we hopefully made it cheap enough that you can just, you know, take a risk and uh, experience a little bit of kindness, maybe walk away with something to think about, um, maybe a new friend. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I can't wait to meet everyone. I'm excited for y'all too. I think it's going to be a really, really special event. And Y'all, so it's going to be January 21st and the 22nd, and it's $40 to register. And mm-hmm. for more information, um, you can visit our Facebook page where you can see a little discount code and a registration link. Wonderful. Yeah, it's it, come out. Come one, come all. Thank you so much, David. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you so much.